Good morning. I'm just going to give an update today about the carnivore business. I've been five weeks and two days carnivore. Um, there have been some uh, lapses, but not many. So there was those few couple, the three in the first three weeks, small ones, and then the other night, I felt so sick of my oxalate dumping symptoms that I had some cacao, a cacao drink made with water and a square of chocolate and a few pieces of pumpkin, which I don't think are even high in oxalates, but I just wanted some pumpkin. I think they're actually pretty low in oxalates. And other than that, just the odd spice or... Um, additive in bacon and salami you don't know what the spices are because they don't tell you so pretty minimal in terms of lapses Um, the oxalate dumping symptoms I've been having lately are just feeling not right feeling vague feeling unmotivated and low energy and not quite sure what I'm doing, kind of low mood, kind of anxious, but all in a vague, confused kind of a way. So it's a hard to describe feeling and it's definitely unpleasant, but it's not unbearable. It's really, I mean, you know, compared to illnesses and such, it's um, it's nothing, nothing to speak of. Um, and I that lapse I had where I drank the cacao drink, I hadn't drunk cacao or eaten chocolate in four weeks and I had it in the evening and it kept me up. I couldn't fall asleep for hours. So I won't be doing that again in the evening. But anyway, overall... Aside from these oxalate dumping type symptoms, which come in waves, so they're not there all the time. Overall, I feel less inflamed, more energetic. I've lost some weight. I've lost about three kilos. I'm now back to 61 and a half kilos, which is what I'm supposed to be. It's what I was when I was 18. It's what I was when I first went paleo and I stayed at that for three or four years. And then it gradually crept up. Um, And then with this, it's gone back down again. So that's pretty much, I think, what my ideal weight is. It may increase if I get more muscular in the future. My ideal weight may increase a little bit. But I feel good at this weight. I feel that it's my right um, weight. So this, it's not like all my issues have miraculously disappeared. And part of the oxalate dumping that I didn't mention was body aching and stiffness, which actually was quite pleasing to notice because typically when symptoms go away, you don't notice that they've gone away. And when they come back, you notice that they've come back. So having that oxalate dumping and suddenly out of the blue, having my usual low back pain and my usual mid back pain be suddenly worse and just feeling a general sense of stiffness, aching, discomfort, I wouldn't call it pain, but like a DOMS kind of feeling uh, or a fluey kind of feeling. And then my stiffness that I always get if I'm in one position for too long, I when I straighten up, I'm really stiff, but it was much, much more noticeable. So it was pleasing because the fact that it got worse meant that it had been better and I just hadn't really noticed 
quite how much better it was. So that was good. In terms of my research into it, I've been watching a lot of YouTubes and reading a lot of stuff and I'm only increasingly convinced that this is a good path for me right now. I haven't seen anything to worry me or concern me or give me doubts. Today I watched a talk by Sean Baker that he gave at Carnivory Con 2019 and I think it's fascinating and exciting that there was such a thing as Carnivory Con 2019 seeing as it's such a kind of brand new thing but kind of not um, and that was I can't really summarize everything he said um, but he did manage to get because obviously there's no studies there's no studies on any diet there's not one single diet that humans have adopted from whether it be carnivorous keto paleo standard australian mediterranean vegan vegetarian atkins etc etc there's not a single diet in the world that has had randomized controlled trials to support it or not support it so there's no such thing as proper scientific um, studies to measure the value or lack of any particular diet and it's all anecdotal which it has to be but his the title of his talk was something like um what's data made up of it's made of, up of lots of anecdotes um so and he had managed to collate um questionnaires from people who were carnivore so it's not a proper study but there were so many benefits. There were benefits in just about every symptom you can think of. Um, he showed a couple of slides about poo because everyone who hears about the carnivore diet immediately jumps to the conclusion that all carnivores are constipated because we're so indoctrinated that fibre is necessary for pooing. Well, the the data that he collected showed that all pretty much all the carnivores had um, 1.2 bowel motions, bowel movements per day, and um, their Bristol stool start stool chart rating was between three and five, which is the norm considered the norm. Uh, there, so there was no constipation. There was n nothing to do with that, um, and all their symptoms pretty much got better now of course i'm not saying that every single person who's gone carnivore has had that same result who knows um but certainly there was nothing no cause for alarm in any of that it's definitely been confirmed by multiple different sources that there's no nutrient deficiency on the carnivore diet that all the nutrients are available um particularly if one eats organ meats now some people say organ meats are fantastically important and you can't miss out on them or else and some people say they're not that important and you can afford to miss out on them so I'm not sure about that but that doesn't detract from the fact that an animal foods diet is fine and then there are people who insist that the fat to protein ratio must be um, that ratio where there's twice as much fat to protein but that's in calories i think so not in visual amount because 
fat doesn't contain water, so a small amount of fat is a lot, whereas a large amount of steak is not as much as it looks because part of it is water, three quarters of it is water. So the fat to protein ratio is deemed very vitally important by some and deemed not so important by others. And I suspect it's nuanced. I suspect that if you're really, really crook, then you probably need a higher ratio of protein because you've got a lot more repairing to do. Um, and if you're just maintaining your health, you might need more fat because it's more about, well, you don't have as much repairing and fixing to do. And the other variation is in um, dairy. So there's people who say that dairy is absolutely contraindicated for everyone and it's terrible. And then there's other people who think, don't be so silly, dairy is fine for everyone. And then there's people in various places in between those two positions. Um, and then there's the odd quibble over eggs and over smoked meats and also over how to cook the meats and how important it is or isn't that the meats not be overcooked and charcoaled. It sounds like as long as you're not eating blackened meat every day, it's probably a non-issue. So those are some um, little things to clarify, to clear up that I don't have fully yet and they're probably is a complicated answer and not a black and white answer. But I've seen absolutely nothing to make me think it's a bad idea or dangerous or in any way um, reckless or will miss out in anyone. Uh, there is this issue of if you go from a high oxalate diet to a low oxalate diet all of a sudden, or if you go from a high carb diet to a low carb or no carb diet all of a sudden, you are going to have a transition period that may be unpleasant to varying degrees, depending on the person and how sick they are and how long they've been with the high oxalates and the high carbs. So there's definitely a case for doing it gradually in some people or warning people that there will be a period of anything from a week to three months of um, waves of unpleasantness occurring during the adaptation. So those would be my only cautions that I've come upon so far. Another woman I listen to that I recommend is a psychiatrist called Georgia Ede, E-D-E. She also gave a talk at that Carnivory Con and she's got quite a few other YouTubes. So she is very clear, sensible, evidence-based, logical and... I liked her talks. I found them very useful. And then there's um, Elliot Overton. He doesn't specifically talk about carnivory, but he talks in great detail about the biochemistry of all the topics that surround the mechanisms of why you get dumping and oxalates and um, thiamine um, and all sorts of other things. And, and how to detox too. He's got a video called Dirt Cheap Detoxification using Epsom baths and charcoal and things like that, which was excellent. So my researches are going very well. I'm more and more um, feeling safe and settled and okay with my choice. I'm not saying I'm doing this for life. I don't think I could. I think that um, for social reasons and for just pleasure reasons, I want to have some plant foods in my diet at some point. Um, but I do want to know what plant foods are the safest. So far I've gathered that iceberg lettuce, rocket, pumpkin and avocados are relatively harmless. Um, 
and I'm sure that I'll increase that list to other things and I may choose to take the chance and have some dark chocolate every now and then uh, or some herbal teas every now and then but I just want to know a bit more about how often is okay and what herbal teas are okay and what ones are not and I've still got no idea over the nightshades how important that is. It sounds like it probably is, which is quite hard to avoid because there's cayenne or paprika or chili in just about everything. Um, and I listened to something about mold on a podcast with ATP Science, their podcast. And a lot of plant foods, the problem with them is nothing to do with the plant food. It's to do with the mold. So whenever you take a large quantity of a plant food, process it, package it and put it on a shelf there's a high chance that at some point in that process there will be contamination with moulds and therefore the food will contain mycotoxins which are extremely, extremely toxic. So even packets of dried herbs, coffee we all know about is heavily mycotoxined, um, wine because the grapes and there's mold and so wine is made from many 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 grapes all with mold and it doesn't matter if the mold's dead or alive it's still got the mycotoxins in there so that's a whole huge other topic and so the issue with plant foods is not just the chemicals the phytochemicals that are in the plants which are their defense mechanism which are poisonous and always have been it's also the contamination with molds and of course it's also the contamination with pesticides and herbicides um, and all these plant chemicals that plants have we have detox mechanisms to deal with them and our ancestors certainly ate plants and dealt with the mycoto the phyto the, the chemicals in plants or the phytochemicals perfectly adequately but unlike us two things they had a lot more wisdom and knowledge and um, instinct for knowing how much what season when for whom those plants were appropriate and they were not as we are bombarded with 50 million other toxins so if we weren't bombarded with 50 million other toxins we would probably handle plant toxins quite well but we are we've got plastics everywhere we've got chemicals everywhere we've got emf everywhere We've got loss of our circadian rhythm. We've got loss of movement. We've got loss of tribe and community. We've got um, days spent indoors full of air pollution, indoor air pollution, which includes mold and off-gassing. Um, we've got stressful lives. We eat shit. So when those things are all true, your detox capacities are under extreme pressure and things like a little bit of phytate here, a little bit of lectin there, some oxalates here, start to matter a lot. And that's why I don't think the carnivorous diet is ancestral. I don't think hunter-gatherers in many parts of the world, if any, ate a 100% animal foods diet, although in some places it was 90 or 95%. However, that may be irrelevant because the world we live in is so toxic that we can't afford to take in 
any extra toxins because there are so many that we can't avoid. There are so many that are out there that we can't avoid. I'm sitting in my house here, the Wi-Fi is off, but there's Wi-Fi from the neighbours, there's Wi-Fi from across the road, there's towers down the street. I live near an airport, so there's um, uh, those, what do you call them, fuel um, particles in the air. I live near a golf course where they obviously spray with all sorts of things. And even the council come and spray the, the public areas near my home um I don't eat any pesticides anymore but um i mean there's uh, at work i'm exposed to off-gassing i'm exposed to formalin because i have to put my specimens in a formalin jar which is a carcinogen um well there's hundreds of things i'm exposed to i live in a moldy house i used to live in many moldy houses i've i've had i've still got a mercury load even though i've had my mercury amalgams removed i'd have to be 500 i'd have to live to be 500 before my body would get rid of all the deposits of mercury that are now in my bones and god knows where so because of all that giving up plant foods may actually make the difference and it's not like i'm only doing that i'm doing other things too so it becomes like a battle to stay healthy. There are so many elements out there bent on destroying us that it becomes a battle to, to stay healthy. So that's my update from carnivory. Oh, from the poo point of view, I seem to have normalized more or less. Um, so there was these bouts of temporary diarrhea interspersed with constipation as soon as I had a plant food and then diarrhea again after I got into the carnivory and I seem to have stabilized so far but I'm expecting more waves of all these oxalate dumping symptoms of which that is one um, apparently some people go on having waves of it of oxalate dumping for seven or eight years so who knows how long this will last my symptoms haven't been that severe compared to what I've read about other people, so maybe they won't last that long. Anyway, that's my update on carnivory for now. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic rest of today.